0: Hello and welcome to That DJ Podcast with me, Jake Colley, journalist, DJ and creator of Undiscovered Sounds, a platform for emerging electronic music artists. Check it out at undiscoveredsounds.com. This week, I'm delighted to say I caught up with Robbie G. As well as being a DJ who's had tracks signed by labels such as Universal, Perfect Havoc and Toolroom, He's an artist I've followed since my days at university. We spoke about how he got into music, how his career took off less than a year after he started producing music, how he pitches to labels, and much more. Let's get into it.
1: My name is Robbie, Robbie Griffiths. Um, I'm from Dublin in Ireland. I'm 23 years of age. Um, I'm making music nearly, let's say, about seven, seven, eight years now. Um, I started when I was about sixteen years of age. Um, I learned how to produce music before I could DJ. Um, and I originated my first gig in Dublin with Sin Night Club, and that's kind of where I learned the ropes and kind of how I evolved as an artist and stuff like that. Um, yeah, that's kind of the basics. So,
0: so what what brought you what brought you into to DJing in the first place then?
1: Um, I've always had music. I was born into music. Um, my grandfather done the show bands in Ireland for years, and um, my father has sung to me since since I've been coming out of wheel. So my sister's a phenomenal singer as well. So, literally, like every family party that I've had since I'm a baby has been it's just a sing song. So, I've always had music. I've always been inspired by music. Um. Actually, I actually was inspired to get into making music. Boy, my cousin, my old, my oldest cousin, um, he showed me rock rock music first. Would you believe? Which was like I was listening to Metallica when I was about like thirteen years of age, and I kind of was listening to rock for a while, and then I steered from there to into the electronic scene by listening to Skrillex. Obviously, there was just, you know the Skrillex era. Everybody was listening to Skrillex at at that point. and um, that that that's kind of what made me like sit back and think like holy shit there's like a market here for for electronic music to be heard you know what i mean all over the world like and um that's when i started literally it was on youtube and i was just going through videos and i started finding um like famous tracks like famous avicii tracks and stuff like that being remaked on fl studio which is a which is a daw hardware or daw software that um i use but there's of course there's other there's other softwares that people use but this is the one that kind of gravitated to me like kind of remake videos for fl studio and stuff so i just i found i found them satisfying to watch so we ended up watching getting stuck into watching loads of them um and i was i was mesmerized by how they they could do it like how they could make like someone on a laptop like i could sit right there and right now open my laptop get this software and remake uh, like a dance clip tune that's number one all over the world and that blew my mind you know what I mean so I literally just picked it up bought I ended up cracking it one day not gonna lie I didn't buy it (laughs) but uh oh yeah I got the software and um started remaking music from tried to remake some stuff and obviously I was shit at the start but um just kept going at it just kept going at it um until I got a result. And once I got that result that day, I was just I got a feeling inside me and was like, This is it, you know what I mean? This is this is what I'm gonna do for the rest of my life, you know. So how long did it take
0: you to, to get from, from that first time you kind of opened FL Studio to to get to the point where you'd actually made something you were you were quite pleased with? How how long did that kind of take you?
1: Um I reckon like it happened like to be honest with you, mate, Like it happened so fast. Like once, once I made a track and put it out. Like I know, I know for sure that there was a lot of attempts beforehand. Um, in that time frame, I don't know how long. I don't know whether it took. I know it was definitely less than a year. But to put it into perspective, I wasn't like, I wasn't like say playing around with it for two days and going on and living my life and then coming back. Like I was on that from like morning to night, no sleep, Monday to Sunday like I just kind of just I found myself addicted to it and it was just all I knew you know what I mean and like I've had an addictive personality from very young so like I used to play Call of Duty all the time that's all I did I never want to do you know what I mean and and it went from like that's how I found like it's funny how it linked up because because of, because of playing like the game and all when I was younger I linked myself into YouTube and there was like a, there, was, there was there was a big community for like streamers and stuff like that when it was only kicking off so I was always in a, I was always in that certain community where like YouTube videos are, things like that. You know, what I mean, I always kind of went towards that, and that's what linked me into into making music because I knew I wasn't good at playing college. I knew I wasn't good at that because I was crap. Like, but that's how I found myself staring into a kind of FL Studio because it's a similar type of, it's similar type of, type of category. It's full of creatives, so that's kind of how I ended up there. So when. It, when, I, when, when my mind kind of steered off playing the game all the time, it was staring into this. So I was on this morning, noon and night for days. Just no pressure in the world. I didn't have any limits or deadlines to make music. It wasn't, it was just for fun at, at that point. So I had no pressure on me. So I was just making music, making music, making music, not really caring what people thought. At this point, there wasn't really a, there wasn't really a, a platform in, our, in Dublin or, or Ireland at the time for what I was, t- for the type of music I was making. And, um, Just kept doing my thing, just kept doing my thing. And then um, I think I was making like big room for a while, like EDM and like kind of like uh, Luigi Vegas and like Mike and Tomorrowland, Ultra Music Festival, all that stuff. Like I was watching the live streams, you know what I mean? I I used to live for them live streams, you know what I mean? So um, I was kind of trying that stuff and I was like, right, I'm levels behind here, like this is not going to work. So it got to the point where like I never actually released any of of that stuff because I was only starting off. It was kind of more of an experimental era. Um, and then one day a mate of mine came to me and said because at this point I didn't show many people my stuff and he came over to me and said would you not try and make Deep House and I was like what's Deep House I actually I actually had no clue what it was and uh, he goes this is the word for word how he explained it he goes basically it's you take an old school vocal he said you chop it up and you put an, a, a nice beat around it I was like that sounds alright <laughs> you know that sounds easy so um it was around the time uh, Philip George um, Wish You Were Mine came out and that was number one and uh, literally I just got an old 90s vocal um, made a track that was it's called Brown Eyes I don't know if you've heard it it's one of my first ever tracks that was never released um, it was literally like one of my first ever Deep House tracks like I ever created and it went viral in Dublin like it actually went all over the, all over Dublin and it has like 6 million views on SoundCloud now and it still hasn't been it still hasn't been signed up right and it's just the way it's worked out but that's actually the first house track I released. Um and, and it blew, it went crazy. And that's what I'm saying. Like that was my first one that I tried that I actually put out and it blew up from there. And from there on and things just went crazy. Like literally for about two or three years, it was just absolute like madness. Like, you know what I mean? But we get into that. We'll get into it. So from that first track, the
0: first track that kind of it went went viral and stuff on on SoundCloud, what what kind of happened? from there then what was what was kind of the next thing that happened
1: Um, so from so from that track going, going crazy um, uh, there was an under 18s event that was on because I was obviously I was only 16 at the time Um, it was an under 18s event that was on in Dublin and I got a phone call to be asked to play at it so that was my first gig and like I said I had no clue how to DJ at this point so the day before they just assumed because I was making music first that I could DJ but I, it was actually the opposite and uh, I only, I was so excited about the gig. I was buzzing for it. And it took me till like the day before to say, oh shit, I actually don't know how to play. <laughs> and and I, this was like a big, huge warehouse. Like for, for under 18s, this setup was crazy. Like big, it was, this is a big warehouse. So there was a couple thousand people in this in this uh, building. Like, So what I had to do was I had to come in early and learn how to DJ before the show. <laughs> so I was literally like being taught the basics before the show. And luckily, luckily that I could actually pick it up quick enough and play a decent set without making a, a show of myself but um that kicked off then and then I, then that's when I got the buzz of DJing so I was just like everything would happen so quick it was one of these things where like I got the I got the buzz from from how it, how it, like how it feels to make music and then literally within the same amount of, like maybe in the same month or so um I got how I got to see how it felt to play to thousands of people Do you know what I mean it just it was crazy how it worked out like and I got the, I obviously got the buzz from it and that was it then. I was just so motivated. I was just making music, making music in my element. Like there was no like once again, there was no limit, there was nothing. It was just I was the man in the moment in my area. And it just, I just I fed off it like um I was making all the stuff, making loads of music. Um and then I, I kind of just started because I loved all classics, old 90 stuff, um, and I loved the old piano house stuff, which is where that kind of my vibe kind of originates from. Um I started remixing old classics, old classics from years ago. Like so say a, a remixed uh, Free from Desire, Gala Free from Desire. Um, that got taken down for copyright. Um uh, a lot of a lot of my remixes got taken down for copyright, like 'cause you'd be looking to find some of the old ones now, the old gems that I made years ago. But one of them got through the dust and that was Gypsy Woman. And um what happened was there was you know the way there's like YouTube channels, promotional YouTube channels, where they upload your stuff like selected and eating messy and Things like that. Well, there was a there was a channel called um, Empire Sounds, and they put up on Twitter. They they put up my Gypsy Woman remix on Twitter and tagged Crystal Waters in it, and then say like said like say new remix from Robbie G, Crystal Waters, Gypsy Woman, and tagged her. And she liked the tweet, and I was straight away. I was like, oh shit! Like I'm I'm going to court. Like I'm going to get caught here. Like instantly, I was like, nah, this is it. You know what I mean? So so um. Basically, she liked this. She, she, she DM'd me and she basically said that she loved it, she loves the project. Um, she'd love to make it official and put it up. I'm uh, oh, sorry, and put me in contact with her contacts in Universal LA. I was still only 16 at the time. and... Um, what happened was a couple of months down the line we got it redone we got the track redone like cleaned up and stuff like that and then it was released under Universal LA's compilation album Remix the Classics and that's kind of how we kicked off then like Universal that was crazy like that was a big one so I was in my element at this point I was in form I was because of this track blowing up everyone all like everyone all over Ireland was listening to it so I actually started to tour the country and um, I toured Ireland like six or seven times off the back of um off the back of Gypsy Woman and then um what happened then? Year went by. I was DJing, making music happily. Um I then got asked by by Universal to come back and do another track for their for their volume four because Gypsy Gypsy Woman got um the most viewed track on the album that year. So they um they asked me, they basically gave me a list of artists and said, Listen, we can um we can give you the rights to any of these tracks, just pick one and um one of them was Boys to Men. And uh, obviously my, my dad loves boys to men. So straight away, I just said, right, I need to get one of these tracks. Um, I wanted to do End of the Road, but End of the Road is in a film or something like that. So the rights would have, I would have needed clearing rights for the video as well. So I picked On Bended Knee and I remixed On Bended Knee. And that's kind of where it, it blew from there. Like like Gypsy Woman was good. It's still It's still one of my most viewed tracks to this day. But when I'm bending knee, blew up that kind of really like set the standard for the quality of the music that I was making and like let everybody know, like, this is what I'm about, you know what I mean? Because people from all over the world still listen to that track today and that got massive success. And yeah, the tracks that that project's not actually it's out like nearly three and a half years now, but that project's still not finished. I still have plans of that track now to try to get that out as an original. So, but yeah, that's that that would be the one that kind of. Set the standard and that kind of made this made me realize like right, this could be an actual career here. And I always believed it, but when it actually when I actually seeing what happened there, I was like, right, this this is it now, you know. So what what happened
0: from, from there then? You obviously you're touring you're touring Ireland, you've been signed to, to Universal. What where does it go from yeah. there then?
1: Um see at the time I was getting a bit of fame from not fame, but kind of I was getting coverage from um remix is an official remix and i kind of got i kind of got known as a remixer and i didn't really like that um i kind of wanted like i was like great well, it's time to kind of start releasing singles and showing people that i can do my own stuff too so so a couple of years two years went by um and i kind of went through i went through a block uh maybe end of 2018 actually from 2018 Back to 2016 were probably the three most like biggest years so far in my career. Um, because I played the likes of um, Electric Picnic over in, over in Ireland, um, it's one of the national st- uh, festivals. I played that three years running, I played Longitude last year, and I actually played Creamfields in 2018. Um, and that from I think it kind of after Creamfields and I played Electric Picnic after that, after Electric Picnic in September that year. And teams kind of started to kind of die off a little bit. Not in terms of not in terms of gigs, but I started to kind of think to myself, right, I don't want to just live off this one track for the rest of my life. Um, I need to kind of take a break from gigging and, and try to find my sound again. And only up until maybe the start of maybe December last, maybe December last year, I kind of started to find my comfort again in, in music because what happened to me was the scene kind of matured over in Ireland where like most people that listen to my stuff when I'm 16, 17, listen to kind of techno and tech house and they've, they've matured in their sound. But I tried to kind of, like they say Ireland's the best fans in the world, but they're the most judgmental fans in the world as well. Like they're very bitter when it comes to, like if they if they don't like something, they let it be known, you know what I mean? And like I tried to adapt to to certain to certain styles of music in Dublin. Because I felt myself, I was trying because of like the journey I went through of like making a big track. Everyone knew me as that. I had to try. I felt like I needed to kind of stay relevant in a way. So I kind of, I kind of ran off with, with like the music I was making. I was always trying to I wasn't making music for me anymore. I was making music to try stay, like I said, stay relevant. So, um, I went through a phase like that for a while, and I didn't really, like, I kind of got down the dumps a bit because I was I wasn't expressing myself like I was before with music and naturally just making what I wanted to make and making it for myself you know and um so I kind of broke out with that then up until like like I said last December and up until last December onwards now um and obviously during this pandemic and stuff a lot of things like the the, the pandemic is probably the best thing that ever happened to me in a way because it's given me a chance to shut off and reset and and make things for myself. And at the moment, um, I'm making more music than I've ever made. And I'm not second guessing the music that I'm making now. And there's a lot, of, there's a lot of singles on the way. So, yeah, like the, the things that have things have happened in the past, they've put me where I am now. So, very grateful and ready to kick on now.
0: So, what what what's the plan? What's the plan from here then? Where where do you see your career going from from here? Because obviously you are still only only really young. So, yeah,
1: yeah, um, to the top, man to the top to be honest like that's the that's what I've always said it was hard to say that there last year the year before and that probably wouldn't, wouldn't have been what I would have said but um, now it's just to be the best best version of myself best producer I can be you know what I mean um, when I'm making music and when I'm not um, one of the things that uh, I've learned is it's it's how you live when you're not making music when you're not working it reflects it reflects on how how your music turns out you know and, and your work ethic and it reflects on all of that, like that's a very important factor. Um obviously like years ago I could I could sit on my laptop and do nothing because I was a young kid. I had no care in the world. But now things are different when you get older as, as as time goes by. Like so it's just about getting up every day and trying to keep the head straight for when it is time to sit down in front of the screen and make music that I'm ready to do that, you know. And um that's kind of something that I've been focusing on in the past while um, it's about keeping my head straight, you know, keeping my head healthy, because um, otherwise you can't perform then. So now that I'm doing that, um, I'm naturally just taking on as much as I can take on, getting done as much as I can get done. Um, this year my plan was to put out a lot of music, but obviously the pandemic um has changed that. I don't really want to release music while the clubs are closed, obviously because over in Ireland there's nothing going on. I'd like to play out the stuff that that I'm that I'm releasing. Like there's music that i released last year that I still haven't played in the club yet, which is which is a bit crazy. Like um, but I have a track coming out this July with Perfect Tabak in the UK. Um, I'm not, I'm not sure if you know Perfect Tabak, but yeah, the, yeah, yeah. So Perfect Tabak are a uh, pretty
0: big deal, aren't
1: it? Yeah yeah so actually I I, <laughs> I signed I signed the three track deal up here with Tavok um early this year and um, which is which is probably like it, that was huge for me because of like I said before it took me nearly a year and a half to kind of get myself back together and then to kind of come back like that and sign a three track deal like that was was massive for me and it kind of kick started things back for me to say like to tell myself like listen this is this is definitely doable like you know cuz I kind of got scared of the fact that, like, I, because I was living so high and I was doing so well in music and then it just dropped. I was like, what am I supposed to do? And then when this came back, I was like, right. It proved to me that if I'm if I'm okay up here, then it works. It's going to happen, you know what I mean? So, so I have, I have like, 10, 11 singles in the works right now. Some that are done, some that are about to be done or some that are in the works right now. So there's a lot of music coming my way and I think now's the perfect time to... um. To kind of work on that because I'm sitting at home and there's nothing else to do. So, but yeah, man, we're we're very active out here.
0: <laughs> so what's what's a typical what's a typical day for you then in terms of kind of doing the music and stuff? What what do you have a set set schedule or do you just kind
1: of play it? Badly? Um, here's me telling you that things are going good with this and that, but that's literally what I'm working on. I have the worst routine in the world, um, because because for only up until last October, I actually never worked. I never had to work. Um, I only started working in retail last October because of <clears throat> because of the times. Like, and um, I never had a routine. My routine was get up, do what you want, make music, um, and chill out. But now, obviously, because things are not like that anymore. Um, and obviously, a lot of things happening down the line. Um, in terms of living the high life, there's a there's low like there's low parts of that as well. So that gets in the way of it as well. So that that's another wake up call. In terms of like sorting, sorting my shit out, but literally, man, it's just a simple day. It's just about me getting up, getting up as, as early, early enough, um, going downstairs, get myself something to eat, Get myself. I can't function if I don't eat, so I need to. I need to eat something before I do anything. Um, so I'll go down, just get me, get myself a coffee, get myself something to eat, Come upstairs if there's anything that needs to be done. So say maybe like. My mother wants me to walk the dog or something like that. I'll go up and go out and get some air. I'll go do what I have to do and then plonk myself in the in the chair and work on music. If it doesn't work for me, then I'll step away from it. That's one thing. That's one thing that I, I, I never did before. I tried to force an idea, but if if you're not if, if I'm not creating something within two hours, sitting at a computer for two hours, then I walk away. Cause otherwise I'm draining the brain and you get that's how producers get producer's block and writer's block because they try to force an idea that's not there. You know what I mean? So the only way you can get that idea, the only way you can get ideas back in your head is if you go walk away and get motivated and get get inspired to come back and do it again because you're not going to get motivation from sitting in your room making an idea that's dead because you're not going to find motivation anywhere else. So that's just my way of doing it, just going out and getting a fresh head of walks, come back, walk on music again. Like, I, I don't I don't sit in front of the computer for hours anymore because I've realized it doesn't work. So I do take I would sit there for a while and chill out or watch telly or I think that's very important as well to to like people say oh yeah you're doing nothing you're sitting there as if, like pe- people that aren't producers or DJs or not DJs or producers that work from home they wouldn't see like you sitting there playing your game as as like you you doing anything productive but. Like for me, for someone that works from home and produces music from home and just have to deliver now because I have deadlines and stuff like that now with with projects. Um, just going off to get, just going off and having a game of FIFA or watching something on Netflix or, you know, what I mean, got, if you're not if, like if you're active, you go out and go for a run or go for a walk or that it reflects a lot on your on your projects and stuff like that. So I take that seriously, you know. Like I definitely take breaks and stuff. I'm doing. And then if, if, if the idea is there work on it there would be nice where if i'm if i'm that deep into an idea that I, I, i'll just go all night because they do say three o'clock in the morning is, is the creative hours so like yeah man it's just it's just basically trying to trying to keep the head straight so when, when i need to make something it's it's made because like no matter what i do throughout my day music is in it you know what i mean so yeah
0: so when you've made a track how do you kind of approach approach labels and stuff do you just Send send them an email and the link or how do you how do you approach the, the various labels?
1: So at the moment, um at the moment because I'm under a contract with Perfect Havoc, um any track that not any track, but the deal is is that I they get first option over the music that I'm creating for my singles. So so they get the music, I'll send the music to them. If they're not into it, um then what I do is I'll put it into a folder. I was only saying this on, on my Instagram there the other day for uh, people because I got asked this question a lot so what I do is anything that's not signed or anything that's unreleased um, or like, mainly originals I will put it into a folder or a playlist um, of unreleased stuff and say when I have I'm trying to get to 20 20 ideas 20 tracks um, I have 11 or 12 at the moment that I'm actually happy look I have over 600 projects on SoundCloud but there's like only 11 or 12 that I'm actually happy with so that shows you how picky I can be and that, that's like that with a lot of producers because they're sitting there listening to the same like song for hours and hours and hours and they think it's shit but realistically no one's even heard it yet you know what I mean that's a battle that that's a battle that we have a lot but yeah I have about 11 or 12 tracks there I'm trying to get it to 20 this would be what I think other people should do as well because um, this is what the labels look for because I know a lot of people that are working on labels now that that were, that were producers with me back then and have gone into the label kind of era uh, they look for folders. They look for like, say 20 tracks. They might not sign 20 of them, but they could sign one or two of them. And that, that's, that's what you're looking for. You know what I mean? And there's all, like, just because the labels don't like it, um, doesn't mean another, another label will. So that's why you kind of keep them all into a folder and send them around to, to all the labels. Like it'd be just maybe send them a formal message like, hi, hey, how are you? A little bit about myself, just a short message about myself. Um, and just say where you're from blah 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 what type of stuff it's good to show interest in it's good to show interest in the label that you're sending it to show that you actually listen to the stuff that that you're that you're about to send across it's not like, like you wouldn't send you wouldn't send a rappy to two room records you know what i mean like you know what i mean so you need you, you need to show interest in that 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 goes a long way in terms of sending a track across so like you have to kind of build a relationship with with these people That a good thing with that is Instagram nowadays because you can get contacted by anybody. You know what I mean? And it's just about just about trying to keep in your name in their face. And then it's a good way of doing it with Instagram and social media. So kind of following these people that you're that you're about to send music to so then when you do send music to them their name will ring a bell. They won't know why or how but it will ring a bell when, when, when you send it to them. But um, yeah man just it's simple. It's just get the music done send it across and you can do no more about it. It's just up to them to listen to it then. You know but yeah.
0: So so how do you go kind of how do you go about approaching getting gigs and stuff? Do you do you kind of is that kind of dealt with now because of because of where you are, people come to you, or how do you kind of
1: approach um, that? Well, from my experience, um, like I said, when I when I met Gypsy Woman and, and I, had, I had that track Brown Eyes that came out, the unsigned one, but it kind of blew up all over Ireland. Um like the guy that was managing me at the time, he was friends with one of the booking agents in, in Ireland, and he was like the leading booking agent in in the country. And he basically said to him, listen, I have this guy here. Uh, there's a high demand here for him. Um, he, has this, he has this music, and he put out feelers around the country because he would have had a list of clubs and this and that. And that's kind of how it worked work for me because then he took out my, my bookings. But for anyone that's, that's starting to for anyone that's starting to kind of come up as a as a dj um i think it's just the best way the best way is to stay relevant so like i said um make music um put out as much content as you can if you know if you can't make music make mixes just show you're an active dj and your following will come up and that's what the clubs are looking for you it's not from my experience it doesn't really work when you when you offer yourself when you offer your services, it's kind of more about what you are doing when you are not in the club. That's gonna pull people into the club, and that's what's gonna pull the clubs to come and book you. You know what I mean? Come and book, or the agents to come and book you. And um, because then otherwise, they are not gonna book somebody that's that's not gonna pull in the crowd, and it's gonna lo- They're gonna lose money on booking you. Yeah, I think if you try hard, if you try, if you try to get try to get attention from these agencies and clubs, then you are only wasting your time. The only way that they're gonna listen is if they see money science in you basically you know but, um, other words are wasting their time so just stay relevant just keep just keep doing it for for the music and then the gigs will follow like that that's really what it is like one big song can change your life you know what i mean you can be gigging for the rest of your life with one song you know so just keep making the music
0: thanks to robbie g and thank you for listening to the third episode of that dj podcast We'll be releasing the second part of our interview in the coming weeks, but in the meantime, it'd be great if you could leave a review and share the podcast with your friends. It really helps others to find us.